Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Thank you to all those who have led us in all a variety of ways this morning as we celebrate the risen Lord. And good morning to those watching, engaging online as well. Thank you for being with us and participating in worship this morning. My name is Evan. I'm the senior pastor here. If I have not met you yet, I would love to meet you. I'll be in the back after service. Come say hi. Uh, I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. I think I first met Jesus in the passenger seat of a 1996 red Ford Taurus. Stick with me on this one. My mom always took me to church, and prayer was part of our life at meals, and we had these long church services where anybody could stand up and voice a prayer request during the service, and it felt like everyone did every Sunday. But what seems to stick out most to me about discovering Jesus was the rides to school or wherever we were going with my mom. Our house was loud and busy with her sisters and my grandparents, but, but when my mom would drive me somewhere, just the two of us, we talked about everything. We talked about church and the people that loved me and my family so much. We, we talked about the youth group that my mom spent afternoons mentoring I rode along in that car to those youth group meetings and watched her love and support and encourage a gaggle of awkward teenage girls as a volunteer youth director, and I was the little mascot, and I was loved. We talked about Jesus, and how Jesus loved me and loved the world, how Jesus was good, even though sometimes the world is scary and confusing. And even though Jesus was killed on a cross, death couldn't stop him because nothing can stop him from getting to us. Nothing will keep him from pursuing you. That song we heard the handbells play, I learned to sing when I was little in church, somehow was true. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Now, since those days, my faith has grown and evolved, just like I have. I've taken a lot of classes, read lots of books, studied scripture in ancient languages, and I talk about Jesus now differently, probably, than I did those days. I emphasize different things. Jesus' emphasis on justice and care for the outcast. I talk about following him so close we might be covered in his dust. But even through seas and seasons of doubt and questions and fears and frustrations, I can't shake this person, Jesus. Jesus, who so embodies all I dare to hope for. The renowned theologian Karl Barth, whose writings on theology take up whole shelves, was once, according to legend, asked to distill his theology down to one sentence. I don't think that's a very good question. After all, even the accounts of the life of Jesus are recorded in the Bible across books, and books are filled with stories that point to truths bigger than sentences. These stories can tell us more about God than any dogmatic decree. But still, it is said that Bart responded to that question about distilling his theology down to just a few words by quoting that children's song. Jesus loves me. 
This I know, for the Bible tells me so. This is good news that we celebrate today. We celebrate that Jesus is alive, that something happened that changed the world. And we believe that this story of Jesus is still worth celebrating, still worth being surprised by, still worth stepping into. We believe that Jesus really did die, really did come back to life, and that really, somehow, death was defeated. That our separation from God, that our failures and our shame are overcome, that we can hope for the future and the now, that we can know that we are loved, that we can know that we are invited to be part of something. Jesus loves me. This I know. So today we celebrate the story of Easter. Not just spring or new life here in the earth, though those things point to this story beautifully. But we celebrate today that God really became flesh. That humanity really did kill Jesus and Jesus really got back that this story, as theologian Fleming Rutledge says, would take hold of a tiny band of utterly demoralized, beleaguered, disgraced, and scattered disciples and transform them into a mighty power that, within a few years, was shaking the very foundation of Rome. If Jesus hadn't been raised at Easter, we might not have ever heard of Him. Like the lynching tree in the Jim Crow South, crucifixion was designed to make people disappear. It was designed to dehumanize and disregard. It was designed to make a mockery and massacre, to remove, to revile. But it could not stop God. So today, I want to invite you to enter into the story with me. Can we meet Jesus together again or maybe for the first time? We'll be looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and start in verse 1. It says this, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. I imagine her mind was still replaying all that she had seen, at the foot of the cross. As she watched her Jesus be killed, maybe she'd been unable to sleep. Perhaps that's why she was up so early while it was still dark to go be at the tomb. But she gets there and the stone is missing. I love how John begins this story with Mary Magdalene in darkness. Not yet with a sunrise or a flood of color. No beautiful Easter outfits, although you all look wonderful. No Easter baskets yet, it's still dark. Mary knows the dark. Her friend and mentor was murdered. He was supposed to be the hope, supposed to be the future, supposed to be the rescue, and yet right in front of her, he had died. Mary Magdalene is, is mentioned a few times in the Bible, and it's easy to get her confused because there are lots of Marys in the New Testament. But this Mary Magdalene is unique. Has an interesting story. She's called Mary Magdalene perhaps because she was from a town called Magdalene, or I think it's likely that Magdalene, which means tower, was 
actually a title given to her because of her leadership and prominence in the early church, Mary the Tower, like Peter the Rock. And throughout history, people have confused her with uh, prostitutes or other people, but that's not what we find in Scripture. What we know about Mary is that she was a follower of Jesus. We know she was at the cross when he died, and we know that she was here at the tomb on Easter. Another mention that we have of her happens in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. It says there that soon afterwards, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, was from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Herod, Stuart, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. So what we know is that Jesus has healed Mary from seven demons. We don't know exactly what that means or what to do with that today, but we know the number seven in the Bible almost always references some kind of completeness, some kind of totality. We get this image that Mary was afflicted by, was the victim of some kind of evil or sickness or darkness that was complete, was extreme, was as bad as it could be. John says, while it was still dark, Mary had seen the darkness before, but she also knew Jesus. You today may feel like you're in the dark, thinking things are too far gone, you're too far gone, that God couldn't bring new life in your life. There is no hope. Maybe this Easter morning you're surrounded by the colors and the flowers, but it sure feels dark inside. It was for Mary too. And yet God wants her and us to have new life. And new life often starts in the dark. As Barbara Brown Taylor says, and Pastor Zach quoted her this morning at our sunrise service, new life starts in the dark. Whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the dark. And in John's account, it starts in the dark. Mary tells Peter and the beloved disciple, so they run and see the empty tomb and then they run off, but Mary lingers. And so I want to continue to read her story in John 20 down in verse 11. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Mary, here with her eyes blurred by tears, sees angels in the tomb. She still doesn't understand because how could she? What's happening? She tells the angels her concern, perhaps the body has been stolen. And in that dark morning, she then sees another figure. She thinks it's the gardener. Who else would be out here at this hour? But John tells us it's Jesus, and we get to wait for her to realize it too. So Jesus says, why are you weeping? 
She has plenty of reasons to weep. <laughs> She's like us. She's weeping. Because of all the darkness she has seen, what else is there to do? And next, Jesus will respond to her. I don't know what we might have expected Jesus to say in this moment. Something like, hey, stop it. <laughs> You're fine. Everything happens for a reason or some other trite nonsense. But instead, here's what we find in Luke 20:16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in, Rabbi, in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus calls her name. Mary. And in that moment, she knows. All he has to do is say her name. Some say this utterance is the greatest sermon Jesus ever preached, all in one word, Mary. All those questions in Mary's head. Was it a lie? Mary. Is death all there is? Mary. Has God turned his back on us? Mary. Is there even a God out there? Mary. Mary knows in that one word that death could not defeat Jesus. Jesus is alive and she knows that she is known by God. That God did not turn God's back on her or the world. Hope is not over. Darkness doesn't win. Mary, who had already seen Jesus resurrect her life from total loss, sees that he has resurrected himself. Hope lives. And he sees her. So she calls out this term of endearment for a teacher, Rabbi Like Jesus said before, the sheep will know the voice of the shepherd. I think I first met Jesus in that passenger seat of that Ford Taurus because it was here that I learned that Jesus was close. I didn't learn about theology there, but I learned about proximity. That somehow Jesus knew my name and cared. Jesus knew my story. And that riding in the car with my mom who loved me and able to tarry there a little bit like the hymn we sang says was this dim reflection of what it was like to be seen and known by God. Resurrection life means we see God and God sees us, all of us. Not just when we look our best on Easter, ready for the photo opportunity downstairs. But also like when you've seen those Easter photos of the children just screaming on the bunny's lap. When our clothes are covered in dirt, when we weep. When we feel so far gone, when we face things as scary as death, we are known and we are loved. And we are invited to new life. God knows that we sin, that we rebel, that we run, that we've placed ourselves on a path towards death and destruction. And even while we're on the path, hear your name being called. While you're still sinners, Paul writes, Christ died. Hear Christ call your name. You know what happens when someone calls you by name. I remember this professor that I admired. I had read his books. I had bought his books. And then I saw him walk down the hall and he said, Evan, it's good to see you. And as a uh, seminary nerd, <laughs> I lost it. 
He knows who I am. When we say someone's name, we let them know that they are no longer outside our community, but welcome in. Jesus, God in flesh, conqueror of death, says, Mary. The new life we're invited to is a life where we are known. And the passage continues in 17 and 18. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Mary does what we would do, probably falling before Jesus, wrapping her arms around him. But Jesus says, listen, things aren't going to be the way that they were. This isn't Jesus just wanting more personal space. No, it's more than that. She can't hold on to Jesus because he must return to the throne room of God. There is more to do. Jesus must ascend to the Father, open a way for all humanity to enter into God's presence. He will go and send his spirit, and things can't go back to how they were. They'll be better. And eventually there will be a day when there is no more struggle and pain and all is right. But we're not there yet. You know that. So Jesus continues and says, Go to my brothers. Say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what she had said these things. And she told him that he had said these things to her. I love what Jesus says. I'm going to my Father, your Father, my God, who is your God. Jesus is telling Mary that now there is an intimate access between God and humanity opened up to all who follow Jesus. They are welcome into the family. In fact, this is the very first time that Jesus would use the word brothers to describe his followers. He's always called them disciples or followers before. But in this moment, on the other side of his death and resurrection, he can say, brother, sister. Death is defeated. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. This new life is offered for you. A new life now and a new life forever. When darkness and death no longer have the final world, that we can know even when the world is dark and the news is bad, we can say what Mary said, I've seen the Lord. The Lord who has descended to death and returned triumphant, who loves you and rescues you and is for you. One writer tells a parable to try to help us capture the depths of this love and sacrifice. He says this, I heard a story once about a man who went trapped who went and was trapped in death and in hell. Another man from his business went to the gates of hell, pounded on them and demanded that his colleague be set free. He is essential to the success of our company, he said. Without him we'll fail. Hundreds will lose their jobs. And the devil roared, my business is the destruction of souls. What do I care about your business? He stays and the gates of hell stood firm. A friend of the man arrived soon after, knocking on the gates, pleading for his friend. Oh, he was such a good friend. Always the life of a party. He was kind to me. He always listened when I needed support. He even loaned me a large sum of money once. Please let him out. The devil sneered. I know about the laughter and the listening and the loans. What you don't know about the times he mocked you behind your back, times he ignored those in need and the things he hoarded for himself. He wasn't good as you think. He stays. And the gates of hell stood firm. 
And then the man's mother arrived. She sat at the gate weeping for days and days, and the devil grew annoyed by the sound of her tears and bellowed from within hell, I don't care how much you miss him. I don't care how wonderful you thought he was. I don't care about all the little good deeds he did while he was on earth. I don't care how valuable or successful he was. He's mine, and he's not leaving. Woman, go away. I know you won't let him out, said the mother, but I don't want him to be alone here, so let me in. There was a long silence, and then the gates of hell crumbled. For death and hell, the enemy and sin, it can withstand any selfish desire to escape it. But what it can't withstand is a love that is willing to go there for the sake of one who cannot get out. This is the love of Jesus. A Savior who refused to let us be alone, even in the dark, especially in the dark, in the midst of our suffering, and the gates of hell could not hold him, they crumble. So Mary goes. She shares the news. This woman, formerly stricken by evil, in fact, women in the ancient world considered not to have power or influence, she goes and is the first person entrusted to share the good news, Jesus Christ is alive. I have seen the Lord. I don't know where you are this morning, what's going on in your life, what kind of darkness you might know. Perhaps today we come together to celebrate here the good news again. Maybe we're not so sure, we have questions and frustrations, you feel alone in the dark. Maybe you're just trying to hold it all together. It's okay. Easter happens in the dark. New life happens in the dark. And all that new life is a life where you can be known by a community and a God where you are given possibilities of connection with God, a future, possibilities as endless as an empty tomb. So this morning, may we open ourselves up to something new for God to do in us, for new life to enter in. And as we close this morning, I'm going to ask our choir to come forward. We'll sing here in a moment, but as they come forward, I'd like for us to together to do a little practice of prayer in stillness and in silence. May you be aware and see yourself sitting where you're sitting. And may you imagine the Lord Jesus saying to you your name. Lord Jesus, Son of God, thank you that you meet us where we are, even in the dark. Lord Jesus, thank you that you would go wherever you had to to rescue us. That you would lay down your life for us and the gates of hell would crumble. That you would welcome us to new life. 
And in the same way, you gave Mary a challenge to go and declare your good news. God, may you challenge each of us to know that we are known. To seek to know you back. And to declare to the world with our words and our actions that we have seen the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.